see what we can do. Godly gumption. The word gumption is not a translation out of any Greek word in the New Testament, I have to say. Uh, but I think it sums up some things from our passage today in Luke chapter 16. So if we can go there, that will help us along today. In a minute, uh, Debbie's going to read it for us. Uh, and so let's turn our Bibles to, uh, to that passage. We're continuing our journey through the Gospel of Luke. And um, we're learning a lot about the kingdom, it seems to me, as much as anything else. What is the kingdom of God? So we'll talk about that a little bit today from this passage. I think the subtitle for this godly gumption could be, How can I make sure that I use my life well? How can I be sure that I can use, how do I use my life well? How will I be confident that when I come to the end of my days, whether it's today or a day many years hence, how can I, at that moment, perhaps think, I, I think I live my life well for God? For a, for a good purpose. I'm confident of that. And so we're going to talk about that from this passage today. But I, I think it's good if we can get our, our heads into the passage. So Debbie, do you want to come up and read it for us? And uh, follow along in your Bible, whatever you have there. And think about what, what's this saying to you even as it's being read by Debbie? There was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked him, What is this I hear about you? Give an account of your manager because you cannot be manager any longer. The manager said to himself, What shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I am not strong enough to dig and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do, that I'll know what I'll do so that when I lose my job, people will welcome me into their houses. So he called in each one of his master's debtors. He asked the first, how much do you owe my master? 900 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly and make it 450. Then he asked the second, and how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, take your bill and make it 800. The master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself, so that when it is gone, you'll be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Whoever can be trusted with very little can be trusted with very much, and whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with very much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been, up, been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The Pharisees who loved, who loved money heard all this and sneered at Jesus. He said to them, You are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of others, but God knows your hearts. What people value highly is testable in God's sight. Round of applause for Debbie. We all know it's not easy to do that in front of people, is it, right? So thank you very much, Debbie. Thanks so much. Um, so we're going to talk about a few things today. Gumption. What is gumption? Uh, anybody want to uh, give a definition of gumption while we're here? Common sense. Common sense plus. Something. 
Savvy, being savvy. Streetwise. Determination. Determination. I think it's a sort of a common sense plus determination, perseverance, a grit. Northerners. Northerners. Did you say? I wouldn't say common sense. I think we better move on. Can we start something here? Uh, a, 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 a theology professor was addressing some parting students and students as they were graduating, uh, and he said this. He said, uh, what you need, gentlemen, are the three Gs, Greek, grace, and gumption. If you haven't Greek, you can learn it. If you haven't grace, you can pray for it. But if you haven't gumption, the Lord help you. <laughs> And I think there's something there about, uh, about if we're going to be useful to God in this world, we need God's grace. And we need, well, maybe not Greek, but at least we need Bible. We need the knowledge of God's Word. But we also need some, some kind of grit inside us, and some savvy, some, <coughs> some, some kind of, uh, of habit of thinking carefully and clearly about our lives. And, and I think this passage uh, deals with this idea. Uh, we are dealing with possessions and money in this passage, which uh, this is the worst week of the year to talk about money <laughs> uh, for some people, right? The credit card bills for Christmas have come in, and we're feeling the pinch of, of Christmas and all that. But maybe it's the best time to talk about money and possessions, actually, uh, in that regard. So what are we dealing with here? Let's talk about what the parable means in itself, and then maybe what, what it might mean for us. So this is one of the parables of Jesus that causes the most debate and confusion. Amongst, uh, very, amongst Christians, amongst uh, theologians, amongst commentators, writers. Uh, I've read, um, in, for most of my sermons, and indeed for this one, I think I've read probably at least eight or ten different writers writing about this passage and what they thought about it, and their, their, their feeling about the message, what's his message. And it's interesting, because some of them agree, but many of them don't. And it's a very interesting parable. Why does the master commend the dishonest manager for his dealing here of cutting the debts of the, the master's uh, bills? Why, why would he do that? Why does Jesus seem to use this as a positive parable when the man is being dishonest? It is a bit strange. I, I, I think it is anyway. Um, so what do we have here? We have Jesus talking to his disciples, and the Pharisees are in the background, aren't they? Because at the end of the passage, uh, they, they respond to the parable. So it seems like the message is for the Pharisees, but also for the disciples. So it's for us too, today. Um, I might summarize it uh, like this, maybe. So I think what we have is, in the parable, uh, the master stands for God, in terms of our interpretation of it. I think the manager in the parable is your average disciple, anybody who would want to be uh, with God. Um, the manager is called to account, and indeed, we are called to account. I mean, I think that's something that happens. We are accountable for the way we live. Uh, in the parable, the manager comes to the end of his job because of his dishonesty. Uh, at some point, we come to the end of life. Uh, again, I hope it's not soon for any of us, but that is going to happen. That's the a point at which we are called to account. In the parable, uh, the manager makes the most of his remaining time and resources to make life better for himself. We, I think, are urged here to make the most of our remaining available time, use our resources well. He uh, uses it, he schemes to make friends, 
And I think we are to scheme to make friends. Not in a dishonest way, but nonetheless, a, a wise and thoughtful way to use our resources. How can we make friends? In context of with God. Um, the servant uses his master's wealth. Indeed, we are to use our master's wealth, because all belongs to God. We'll talk more about that in a minute. Uh, in the parable, he is commended by his master. That doesn't necessarily mean the master uh, thought that his servant, his, the, the manager's dealings were uh, honest or, or right, but he commended his shrewdness. Um, and indeed, we are hoping to be commended by our master. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Right? And finally, there is for the um, manager material reward. For us, I think it's more a spiritual reward and a blessing on other people because of the way that we use our resources. So that's some of what's going on here, I think. God seems to be telling Israel, through Jesus here, that they're not to depend on tightening the law to please God. The idea is not to make it more difficult for people to get into the kingdom of God. It's not about that. It's about, in a sense, throwing caution to the wind so as to win people for God. It's to be liberal and, and generous with what we've got so that other people can become our friends and then friends we've got. So, let's get, uh, let's get as good at spiritual things as we are at material things. As good at spiritual things as we are at things of this world. Bearing in mind that our time is short and that God knows our heart. As he says at the end of the parable, Jesus talking to the Pharisees, God knows your hearts and he knows ours. So we'll talk about three things today from this parable about being shrewd, trustworthy, and devoted. And what I'd like to ask us all to do, myself too, is as we go through this, asking ourselves, what are those three things? Maybe all three apply in terms of our growth spiritually, but is there one that stands out to you? Is the calling today, this morning, from God's Word mostly to be uh, more shrewd? Is it mostly to be more trustworthy? Or mostly to be more devoted? <coughs> three. Just be sort of praying in your heart as we go through this and ask God to show you. So shrewd, trustworthy, and devoted. Let's first of all talk about being shrewd. Um, the dishonest manager is shrewd. There's a debt owed to his master, 900 gallons of oil and uh, 1,000 bushels of wheat. He cuts them significantly, 200 bushels of wheat and uh, a lot of oil. How much? Cuts it down. Oh, he cuts it in half, right, which is considerable. What's the contextual background? Uh, people vary in their interpretation, but basically it could be that what he's cutting is the interest that he is charging illegally on what people have borrowed. So if people have taken the wheat, he's added on. Maybe the dishonest manager has added on interest, which of course a Jew is not allowed by law to uh, charge interest to another Jew. So he may be actually cutting back on that. We, but we're not entirely sure of all that. Nonetheless, what he is doing is he's being shrewd in finding a way to help other, to make other people feel good about him, since his master is clearly not feeling good about him, presumably for good reasons. Nonetheless, he has these people he hopes will now feel good about him and be his friends when this all is said and done. The dishonest manager is commended for his shrewdness, not his morality in this parable. In verse 4, when he says... Um, find it. He says, I know what I'll do. I know what I'll do. That's uh, translated better as a kind of a, you know that moment when something, 
you get you get an answer. You think, ah, you know. So it's more like a, ah, I've got it. I've got it. I know what I'll do. That moment of clarity comes to him for his scheme to work out well for him. And so what I would like to suggest is that out of this might come three things. What does it take to be shrewd? To be shrewd in the way that we use what we've got for God's glory and for our own spiritual uh, growth. What does it take? And I think perhaps three things we could add to this. But I think it takes prayer. I think it takes planning. And I think it takes putting things into practice. Three Ps for you there. Praying, planning, and putting into practice. We don't know that this man prays, but he does reflect. He's obviously gone and thought, I'm going to lose my job. I'm going to have nowhere to live. I, I can't beg. I can't. I don't want to beg. I can't work with my hands. I'm not strong enough. What am I going to do? There's a time of reflection. And we have puzzles in our lives, don't we? We have puzzles in our lives. We don't know what to do. Where should we live? Should we buy a house or not? Uh, where should we buy a house? Where, what should, how, how should we serve and use our gifts for God in his kingdom, in, in, in the church? In, um, how do I help my child with this thing? That behaviorally, character, education. But if, how do I, what do I do? How do I help them? Um, we have a problem at work. And whether it's a particular project or a boss or a, someone that works for us, what am I going to do? In our marriages, I mean, I, you know, I know most of our marriages, almost all the time, are pure bliss and light and, and sweetness and never any you know, problems. But only one day every five years when there's a problem. Uh, you know, how do we... How do we not? How do we fix our spouse? By the way, free tip. That's never a good approach. Not how do we puzzle out our spouse, but how do we puzzle out ourselves to be what we're called to be in our marriage? There are, I don't know. About you, I feel puzzled a lot of my life. <laughs> Maybe that's the way I was brought up or something. I don't know. But I, I am puzzled by life a lot. How does this work? And one of the things that's going to help me with that, or, or, or why is God doing this or allowing this in my life? Why, why don't my knees work as well as they used to? Why can't I figure out this issue I have in my character? It, the first thing we've got to do is reflect, which means pray. When there's thinking that needs to go on. And I'd encourage us to be prayerfully thinking or thinking prayerfully. It's not all about just having a list of, okay, I don't know what to do here. I don't know how to get my homework done on time. I don't know how to get these essays marked. I don't know how to... It's not, it's not just a thought like, how, what's the right answer? But it's more a thoughtful praying. And that may take time. It takes time to pray through something. Not just a, a list, but a, a walk in the woods or the park or around our house or wherever, or, or shutting ourselves in a quiet room for a while sitting on a cushion, kneeling on our knees, sitting in a chair, with our Bibles open maybe, prayerfully reflecting. What's your greatest puzzle in life in the moment? Like if, I won't ask you to share it if you don't want to, but just think for a minute. What's the thing that puzzles you the most right now? Have you taken that to God in thoughtful prayer? Have you prayed thoughtfully through that? I'm not saying one time like that will, will give you all the answers, but, but maybe that's something we haven't done enough of yet for God to be able to show us what, what to do. What's your greatest puzzle? Why don't I take that to God in prayer, and, um, and then you'll find some plans. You'll find some plans, I think, from God. It'll become clearer. And then put into practice what you learn, because there's no point in praying and planning unless we actually uh, do something uh, with it. Uh, the same writer that I quoted from a book earlier also uh, said this 
Uh, learn from the shrewd, resourceful way in which the sons of this age do their business. Oh, if only my... He's imagining if God was saying this. Only... Oh, if only my Christians would bring to God's business some of the resourcefulness that the men of the world bring to theirs. Some come to church on Sundays fit for no more than a warm bath or a sacred concert. Why don't people give to the high business of eternity some of the same efforts that they give to the grave business of time? It, he writes very well. Florid, but it's uh, imagining that you know, we, we spend a lot of time thinking about many things in our lives that we want to see improved, but how about thinking about spiritual things in our lives that way? How, what's my part personally in making this church the best it can be for God? Not just turning up and doing the things that we do, but God, what's my part in helping this church to be the best it can be for you, God? How can I build your kingdom? in a way that brings you honor. What's my part in building something? You know, you, God builds it, but what's my part? What's my personal part? Not my next door, next chair part, person, but, but, but me. What's my part in this? Let's think about that and we, as we pray and plan to be shrewd. Secondly, uh, trustworthiness. Uh, verses 10 to 12 in the parable. Shrewd and then trustworthy. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. Whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. If you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? If you've not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? So, um, it's important to recognize that we've been given a lot. The manager was given a lot of responsibility in the parable, and you and I have been given a lot by God. So let me ask you, what have we been given? Let's have a little discussion here. What have we, either collectively or personally, what do you feel like? And if you were to write down a list of things that God has given you, or given us, uh, what would those include? Life. What has God given us? Life. For what? I mean, that's the big one, isn't it, Bill? The big one, I was praying about that actually this morning, but isn't it amazing that we have life? I mean, just that's just, what? how did that happen? I mean, God gave life to humans. I mean, that's amazing. And we have life, even as we sit here. You know, we are alive. So, there you go. What else? Okay. Uh, hands to raise in the air. Family. Thank you. Okay. We have family. All right. We have family. And, and some of it's close to us in our home, and some of it's more spread out and distant across the world. Right? We have family. It's amazing. Yeah. Strength. What kind of strength do you think? Strength to get Strength to get through life, not just strength to do Pilates or a spin class. Okay. Um, strength to get through life. We're still here. We've been through some challenges, right? Okay. Uh, hope. Wow, isn't that a wonderful thought? God's given us hope because tomorrow doesn't have to be the same as yesterday or today. There's, there's always some good things God's got in mind. That's an excellent point. A book of you. Health, the health that we have. Okay, how many of us here have perfect health? Okay, no, you don't have to put your hand up because none of us do. So, but we have enough health to be here, right? So, isn't that amazing? Some people don't. Wonderful. And uh, what else? What else has uh, has God given you? I think I think the life that I live, I'm not homeless. I'm not a refugee. I've never known what it's like to be hungry. So I think I'm grateful for the life that I've. God's chosen for me. Right, right. You, you're free of chronic deprivation. Yeah. Okay, that kind of level. Of, yeah, yeah. And again, we all sit here. 
Last slide. Good. Okay. Anything else? Ben? Our jobs and ability to generate income. Okay. The ability to generate income, uh, uh, whatever kind of work we are doing, but nonetheless, we, we have that ability. Whether it's as much as you'd like or not, different question, mm -hmm. but we have the ability to generate income. Fantastic. Yes. Purpose. Purpose. Okay, a bit like hundred away, but more focused on. Yeah, we have a purpose as a reason for our existence and being here. Super. Okay, what else? Salvation. Salvation. I mean, you know, you can buy most things in, online these days, but not salvation. Okay, it's not for buy, not for sale, not for purchase. Amazing. We have salvation. Wow. Anything else? So, uh, okay. Like. Your personality, hmm. that God's given you, and touching to have certain relationships and friendships and all that, I think is aggressive. That's great. Personality. Wouldn't it be dull if we all had the same personality? Mind you, if we all had Osagi's personality, it would be very interesting. The jokester. So, uh... <laughs> That would be interesting, although we've already got on each other's nerves. I don't know, but <laughs> playing practical jokes on each other all the time. So, but no, we, we've all got different personalities. What a fantastic thing! Excellent. There was Sean. You were going to say compassion. Compassion. Okay, we have the capacity for empathy and compassion. Spirituality. The spirit. Spirituality. Spirituality itself. The ability to discern that there is more to life than the material. That's a gift. Yes. Good point. Good. Anything else? Steve? The ability to think and make choices. Okay, the ability to think and make choices. We have that freedom, we have that ability, unlike um, most, well, any other animals. We have this capacity. Yeah. We've been given quite a lot of fun in our lives, too. Okay. We've got lots of dishwashers and spheres and we go on holidays and yeah. jumping castles. I mean, there's a lot more that's not necessary for this fun. Yeah, yeah we, there are pleasures in life. There are pleasures that may not be essential, but they're there, and, and we enjoy them, and there's no reason not to. No. Very good, very good. Well, I think the longer we spend here, the longer this list is going to get. Mm -hmm. We'll have to you know, move on here. But, but I, I would encourage us, now and again, it's important to recognize what we have been given. Because what we've been given is... Our normal, right? It's it's what's normal. It's it's the it's the water in which we swim. The fish doesn't notice the water it's in, sort of thing. We we've been given so much and we don't notice. And I think that's another thing to do is sit down now and again and write down a list of the things you've been given, including our education, our family, as was mentioned, our ability to generate income, our gifts and talents, even our experiences. Our experiences are gifts. Not all of those are pleasant. Some of us have done a lot of grieving, been through some pain. But even those are gifts because they're useful for others. Remember that? We're talking about how to use what we've got to make friends. And I think that's in a spiritual sense. If we've been through some tough times, we're able to help other people who are going through tough times to see God in them and bring the kingdom to them. So all these things are valuable. We've been given so much. Remember... That basically, as he says in verse 12 here, if you've not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? So, all the stuff we just listed doesn't actually belong to us. 
Really? Right? It's on loan. It's on loan from God. It, the somebody else's property is God's. So my gifts, my experiences and yours are actually on loan. So it's important that we recognize that. Therefore, we will then hopefully use it well. As it says in these passages, uh, Matthew 6 passage, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. Where's the priority of our focus? Is the question there. Using our gifts to help the needy, Matthew 25. I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. Thirsty, you gave me something to drink. Stranger, you clothed me. That took either giving them your own clothes or paying to buy some clothes, right? You look, I was sick, you looked after me, that takes time. I was in prison, you came to visit me, that's inconvenient and unpleasant. And then 1 Timothy 6, the verse, the verse we do well to bear in mind. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. <coughs> Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share in this way. They will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. When I read that passage, I think, uh, I think that Paul, writing to Timothy, had Luke 16 open in front of him. That's how it feels to me. The same sentiments there about using what we've been given and not, not finding those things to be the things we rely on, but using them for other people's benefit and for God's glory so that many will be saved. So we've got, uh, we've got shrewdness, uh, we've got trustworthiness, using what we've been given, and then finally we've got uh, being devoted, being devoted. So in chapter, back to chapter 16 and verse 13, he says, you cannot serve two masters. Well, you'll be devoted to one and, and hate the other or the other way around. So it's a choice. He doesn't mean that we can't have money and be a Christian. He's, that's not the point. He's saying use what you've got, your money and your possessions and your gifts, to help other people, use it, indeed, even enjoy it, but, but don't get, be captured by it. Be shrewd and use it well. Be trustworthy in what you've got. So be devoted to the one thing. We are serving uh, someone. You cannot serve two masters. We're serving one or the other. That's what Jesus is getting on about here. We're serving someone and Jesus knows our hearts. God knows our hearts. He says to the Pharisees, God knows your heart. And I think this is the challenging thing for me, maybe for all of us, that I find it sometimes hard to know when it comes to my possessions and my time and my energy, uh, whether I'm serving people out of guilt and, do, and using my resources out of just a guilt or whether it's a real devotion to God. And I share this with you because I think this kind of passage in Luke 16 uh, can have... It can have a negative impact on us if we don't think about it, it, it truly mm. spiritually. This is not God saying, uh, you shouldn't be wealthy, you shouldn't spend any money. That's not what this passage is about. It's about how we use what we've been given. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't uh, enjoy what we've got. God's provided all things for our enjoyment. But are we consciously, shrewdly using what God has given us for his glory and for the benefit of other people so that they may come to know God. When I was in Singapore, I've been thinking about this in particular because uh, a conversation I had in Singapore two weeks ago 
most of you know, I was there for a, a wedding, and I had a conversation with John and Karen Louie, which was very interesting. And the, the background of the conversation is this, that one of the things the Singapore church is doing, and many churches around the world, is as the staff get older, and people like me are getting older, um, there you go, um, as the staffing of our churches is getting older, it's more and more important that younger people are brought in to learn, to be trained, and ultimately to you know, pass the baton, pass the torch on, and, and so there's another generation of people equipped and ready to, to lead churches and to serve churches. So it's a pressing, pressing need around the world because my generation um, is uh, you know, not going to be around forever. Um, so one of the things that they've done in Singapore is they've encouraged all their, ch- all their staff to develop a secondary uh, channel source of income so that they can begin to gradually work part-time as the young people can come in and then ultimately come off stuff. It may be at the time of official retirement or maybe before, but whatever. So, so many of the staff have done this that they developed other ways of, of generating some income through lecturing and teaching and things outside of the, you know, the church context. Um, maybe just a few hours a week. And some have developed it to a day a week or two days a week and that kind of thing. And I've been thinking about this too for myself because I'm 55, nearly 56. Um, officially retirement age is 67 for me, right? Um, I don't know if I will still be able to work at 67, who knows? Or able to work full-time, or whether it would even be the best thing for me or for the kingdom of God for me to be paid full-time. Maybe just some younger people and I could be part-time. But that means developing some other kind of income. So I talked about this with John and Karen, and uh, and they had some ideas, and I'm thinking about those ideas of, of, uh, to do with their, some of you may have heard their I Choose Us program of marriage, teaching on marriage and, and, and counseling on marriage and that kind of thing. So I'm thinking about that, reading some things about it, discussing it with them, with Penny and friends. And uh, that may take some time to work out and we'll see. I don't know personally if that's the thing for, for me and, and who knows, but I'm thinking about it, looking into it. The thing at the end, we had a long conversation about it, how it might work. And then at the end of the conversation, John said, Malcolm, he said one thing, though. He said, this has got to be about the kingdom of God, not about you making money. It's got to be about the kingdom, not about... You've got to watch your heart here. That It's okay to make some money from it, but it's got to be not you get so excited about it that it becomes the thing you get excited about. And it captures your heart as a way of making money, as opposed to, I have to make some money from it, but it's actually for God. God knows your heart. He knows your motivation. And if your motivation is not pure, nothing will work. <coughs> if your motivation is pure and it's God's will, it will work. I found that, I thought, gosh, that's a really good uh, corrective thought for me to mull over and to think about and pray about. Because I, I'm quite excited about this idea. But, but am I really doing it for God? What am I really excited about? And I'd encourage us to think about that for our own, own lives, our own hearts here. We've been given much. We've been given much. We're very blessed. We're very lucky. We're very fortunate. We are amongst the most blessed and fortunate people on the planet materially. And we're certainly amongst the very small number of very blessed and fortunate people to have a relationship with God, to have the Holy Spirit, and to be counted 
as citizens of the kingdom, to be the chosen people that Penny talked about from 1 Peter 2. How lucky we are. Now, if we're going to be uh, pure of hearts, and if we're going to be useful for God in the best way we can be in Watford and Chorleywood and Chesham and all the places where we live, if that's going to be the case, I think we need to take lessons from uh, this chapter of chapter 16 to be shrewd, first of all. Just to stop and think about how we can use what we've got for God. Secondly, to be trustworthy, to actually use it for God. And thirdly, also to remain devoted to him and not to the product. Shrewd, trustworthy, and devoted. Those three things, which one stood out to you the most for yourself today? Is it a call to be more shrewd, to pray, to plan, and then to... Uh, put into practice what you, what you learn? Is it to be more trustworthy with what you've been given? Or is it to be more devoted, more single-minded in your devotion to God? Pick one. Maybe something else struck you uh, uh, separately from those things. But let's pray and think about that. Let's pray together right now. <clears throat> Father, we... Uh, we thank you that you have been so generous to us. We want to thank you for giving Jesus to us so that we could come to know you. And we want to thank you for all the amazing things that we have, that we, we kind of own, but that are on loan from you, God, that uh, we have for now. And we thank you for our life. We thank you for the material things we have. We thank you for the people around us. We want to thank you for everything that we've got. We pray that as we think about these things, you'll help us, help us to see how best to use them to bring you glory and to make friends so that people will come to know you. Father, give us wisdom. Make us shrewd. Strengthen us to be trustworthy. Help us to be devoted. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.